Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Finance and Accounting Show. And one of the amazing topics that a lot of finance and accounting professionals are trying to navigate is finance transformation. Now, it's not a new term to our industry, but it is something that seems to be speeding up and getting more and more interesting. So I have an amazing guest on today, and we're going to dive into that topic of finance transformation. So stay tuned for the episode. So without further ado, let me bring on my guest, Francesca Valley. Welcome to the show, Francesca. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I've been looking forward to having you on because you have a reputation for really helping people understand how the CFO role plays an important, critical part of like that digital transformation that so many companies are going through. So I'm, I'm excited to jump into that topic with you. But before we do, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. My background starts directly right there in finance and accounting. Before leaving my country of origin, which is Italy, I studied uh, accounting, accountancy. And uh, then I moved to what became my city of adoption, which is London in the, in the UK. Now, having studied uh, finance and accounting immediately put me on the right uh, place to start a career with great organizations. Immediately with the head office accounting, management accounting, etc. And uh, I then, building on it, went into IT in the mid-90s. Then I went into the global programs of transformation, always following a logic, I would say, that uh, finance prepared me for. And then recently now, again, building on that experience and understanding that what is crucial nowadays is change management, the engaging of the business and the business operations. I now work as an advisor to the finance community, to the CFO on enterprise change management. So there is a logic to my career, I would like to think, but that was, <laughs> that was actually... I was allowed that by the study of finance and accounting right at the beginning because I could build on the logic, on the reasoned approach to things that served me very well. You know, one of the things that I'm curious about that I, I find, you know, with a lot of different finance professionals that I've talked to, like, you know, as there was a very, there's, there's a amazing logic in the positions that you took, you know, was there at any point, like in the beginning, did you kind of map this out or did some of the earlier positions like, hey, you happen to fall into positions and then you later on started to see the logical path of it? It's such a crucial question, Terrell. 
I have to say the story I've told you is very one is very much one of having rationalized it from the end of it. So looking back, I can see the logic. And of course there must be, of course, there must have been there were there were drivers on this particular career path. But in fact, it's now one of the recommendations that I make to the younger people that I mentor. And it's about make sure you plan out, make sure your career, make sure you know where you're going. Now, would that have worked even better had I plan, planned, out, planned out my career? I don't know, but it would have felt different. I suppose it would have felt that I was a lot more in control of everything, but then that's not quite life, quite the way life is either, right? So maybe with all this falling into a progress, always building on finance, IT, transformation, uh, uh, finance transformation, business engagement, I think there was an also present in my career an element of excitement. You know, and that you can't, I think that's, that's wonderful as well. Awesome. Awesome. Now, one of the other things that I'm very curious about is, you know, I'm here in the U.S. And one of the things that I learned is that there are a lot of people who may study or get exposure to, you know, global or international business. And even for myself, like, it was like a reality check when I left the U.S. to go work in Brazil for a year to where it's just like, man, seeing it firsthand is very different from studying it from a book. You know, how was it for you? I mean, like I said, you left the country where you had studied finance and accounting, then going to, you know, working across different geographies. Like, how was that for you? That's very interesting because I have two answers to that. One is the fact that um, when I started working, I started on my career path in the UK. Of course, my accountancy, accountancy studied, prepared me to the various rules and regulation of accounting, such as the GAP. Okay, so the generally accepted accounting principle. So I knew that and I could apply that immediately in my profession. But what, and then in my IT career, in my IT and global program transformation career, every country, every country you work with, you have to learn new things. And that is your you are helped there very much in, uh, in an understanding of all the various localization rules, which are also made easier by the new ERP applications that are often built with those functionalities already part, uh, part of their capabilities. So, but it's not as simple. It doesn't follow that if you study something, that is it. In fact, your knowledge has to continue to be updated uh, Etc., which is also another exciting part of the way we work and, and we live, I suppose. Does that make sense, Ray? No, that, that makes a lot of sense because it, it, it's something that I've seen uh, my, myself, like I said, when I you know, left the US to go work in another country, it's just 
there were so many different things that I was like, okay, all right, there are some uniqueness here. Um, and yes, there are some things that are common knowledge and common practice. Um, but it was interesting, like I said, to see, you know, the parts of finance that were consistent and then the parts of the local things that you had to kind of learn. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So now one of the other things that you mentioned that I, I thought is, is, is and I want to talk a little bit more about, and you talked about change management, you know, for, for starters, can you tell us like when you use the term change management, what does that mean for you? Okay. I feel extraordinarily passionate about the discipline, about change management, largely because there is a great, there are great misconceptions and misunderstanding as to what that is. If I think about a global program of transformation context, uh, so these are the projects that are multi-million dollar investments from the part of the corporations that uh, implement the new target operating model, the new technology, the new processes. Often, even in those contexts, uh, change management simply means, oh, we've got to remember to include the people from the operations, right? We've got to remember to, oh, we, we need to train, we need to do communication, right? Which is typically newsletters that nobody reads. For me, change management is a completely different thing. Actually, I will add something else because when it comes to training and communication, they're not per se uh, sufficient, but they're certainly necessary. However, the misconceptions I was referring to a moment ago relate to people that think, oh, change management, it's about people, therefore, they advocate the application of this pseudo uh, psychotherapeutic interventions uh, uh, whereby you need to show people uh, appreciation, you need to show, uh, you need to talk about hearts and minds. Now, for me, that is in the sphere of the line management, right? So if you think you have to conquer my heart and mind, well, you may be my line manager. I'm cool with that, okay? So those interventions are fine, right? If you show me uh, that you appreciate me as my manager, no problem with that, very happy. But that's not what enterprise change management does. What enterprise change management is, is a set of practices, a set of tools that plug the, the, the management of the change into the delivery of the project. So it's a question of governance. It's a that brings in the business operation. It's a question of democracy that brings in a layer the appropriate layer of the organization into understanding what the change is, into understanding the new processes, the new technology, conducting impact analysis to make sure that what happens at their level in their locality actually is managed through the, the change. And that gives you the adoption of, of the applications of the change. And that is the true transformation. Does that make wow. sense, 
No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it make as you were you were you're speaking, it made me think about you know times where when I used to work for you know larger international Fortune 500 companies, and they were the conversation of finance transformation had come up, and for many of the people, what I realized is it seemed like many of them thought that finance transformation is just plugging in a new system. Like, hey, we used to do these things. We're going to plug in a new system. I'm like, it seems like there's more to it than that. <laughs> there is. Inevitably, inevitably there is. <laughs> and and I, I like what you said about, you know, just, you know, just I think even in the term of just change management, like change has to be managed. <laughs> like there's more than just plugging in a system. <laughs> Great misconception, great. I've developed my own methodology in relation to the management of change that builds on effective governance tools, but also a structure of people that work in the project that is actually built on democratic engagement of the people, respect for people knowledge, not just people being given a new process to operate, a new technology to master. So. Mm -hmm. Now, as you start to work with different organizations and different levels of leadership, you know, do you find that they grasp and they understand, like I said, that, you know, that more democratic approach to, you know, navigating the change? Or do you find that many still lean towards kind of the top-down directive approach? So I found in an within an organization that where my role was actually transformation director responsible for the engagement of the business operation and therefore of applying the methodology I've just described in generic terms. So this is a, this was is a FTSE top ten company, so a 20 billion pounds uh, corporation with a very mature delivery methodology in general. However, it still took somebody like me that comes to it with credibility, built on experience and knowledge, and, uh, and also very directional, being able to, to drive, because often these projects uh, get mired in millions, infinitesimal issues and questions. And also, importantly, they get mired in conflicts at the steering board level, okay? So you need somebody that can cut through, that can build the trust of the, the core of people that I would build and then drive along together. Right? Because when you, you can never do anything in life on your own, no matter how clever you are, right? And uh, I think what I've seen, but I think I'm going down a different route that you've asked me, forgive me. So, <laughs> so this, I'm very passionate when I talk about change management, right? Because I think it's so extraordinarily important. But to your point, this, this uh, organization, had recognized my intervention in making this democratic approach work. So I think it is recognized. What amazes me is um, 
why not so many organizations see that and they still think that the top-down approach it's a mandated from the center new target operating model new technology would work so mm -hmm. you know and I, I totally agree i think that there are some organizations that you know that that still are missing the point on that so i, I want to talk about you know with some of the types of clients that you work with you know what's some of the the feedback or the gratitude that they've expressed when you introduce them to kind of the framework that you take them through so to me the most the best expressed gratitude is when i i leave and they continue operating with the method that i've advocated that i've implemented there right and this is also what i'm most proud of there is a misconception as well in the consulting world often you know you you as a big corporation you employ the big consultants and they come in, they do the job, they go, and their people are none the wiser, right? Whereas I've always prided myself in all I know gets left with my clients, people, because, yeah, absolutely, I feel it is my, my duty. I enjoy doing it. And when I, and the gratitude of the client is when I'm gone, and their people are self-sufficient, fantastic. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So when it comes to the type of clients that you work with, who would you say is kind of your target audience that you, you know, you work best with? So I've mainly um, traversed the universes of the global corporates. Okay, the, the multinational corporations uh, that have operational operations around the world. So that is what I'm used to, I'm very comfortable in. And in this, actually, I'm going to open a small bracket. In this, I think I'm aided by my studies in social anthropology. So I have a degree at the London School of Economics in social anthropology. So when I work in China or Japan or America or the US, I think that I have an empathy with people and cultures that are not mine, mine being the European, if you like, culture, that makes me particularly, I, I think, able to build bridges with these people. So to your question, the global corporates are my ideal habitat. They've been my clients for a long time. I have recently, however, had experiences with the small industry on a personal level because I had to work in Italy for a few months helping my brother's company. And that was a very small, the small and medium industry, construction industry in the north of Italy. Totally different context. And yet, ultimately, the understanding of finance so I was able to say, okay, why don't we just redo the analytics right here, redo the financial informational model, as well as the understanding of people and cultures. That all I felt that has always 
that has um, served me well. Right now, I'm actually helping a startup, right? And what I love about the infinitesimal uh, smaller level vis-a-vis -vis the, the, the big corporate is the fact that you find smart people everywhere, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's not because you work for a, a global corporation that you are necessarily smarter. I find an amazing amount of, star, of smart people in startup. The, the, only, the only difference I would say that in a smaller context, I'm able to deploy a lot more of the range of competencies that I've uh, gained, okay? Whereas typically in a, a, you know, in my roles in, in the large organization, you are employed for a role and that role is pretty much it because there's so much of it. But in this startup that I'm working with now, I'm doing from operating or chief operating officer to finance to to everything and, and i like that as well does that make sense Terrell? no that makes a lot of sense that that really does and, and so for people who are interested in learning more about your business and how you work where can they find you online so i would say uh, go to my website Go to my website because there I speak a little bit more about uh, the finance transformation, the change management uh, that I apply. The address, uh, you can, we can see there, it's www.chris.online, C-H-R-Y-S dot online. So, and other than that, uh, you find me on LinkedIn. Everybody's on LinkedIn, right? <laughs> you don't exist if you're not on LinkedIn, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, before we wrap up, you know, one final question that I love asking every guest that comes on is when you think about your experience and you think about the great things you're doing now, what's two pieces of advice that you would give companies that are trying to navigate transformation and it can be two things that you've already said that you want to reiterate or it yeah. can be two completely new points okay very very good question Terrell. right the the absolutely first one that jumps into my head is look ahead see where the world is going see where the market is going right now nobody can ignore the automation in business whatever that may mean Right, from robotic process automation to automate the, the high volume, low complexity finance transaction to the actual more complex cognitive automation that helps now, supports the uh, financial planning and uh, analysis function, right? With the predictive analytic, etc. Look ahead because the world is changing and you need to be to understand where it is going. That's the first thing, right? The second thing, I would say, look, work hard and work smart. Normally people say work, work smart, don't work hard, whatever. I think you need to do both, right, in life. And if you love the things you do, if you're passionate enough, both the working hard about what you do, both the working hard and the working smart, will fall into place beautifully.
Awesome. I love it. Francesca, thank you so much for being an amazing guest. It's been a pleasure having you on. It's been my pleasure, Israel. Thank you very much. Welcome to another episode of the Finance and the Accounting Show. This is the place to go for small business owners. If you're looking for a great way to understand the